Hello. Hi, this is Yusuf Hamash. Yes, it is loud and clear. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Do you? Is this still a okay time for you to talk? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but it's a bit crazy outside. A lot of crowdness. Uh, you know, there is a lot of traffic, especially from the children. Let me find a quiet place. Okay. Close the door. Yes. Earlier this month, one of our producers, Hannah Jaffe Wald, made this call to Youssef Hamash in Gaza. He works for a humanitarian organization, the Norwegian Refugee Council, the NRC. Youssef's in his early 30s, he's got two kids, big extended family. Hannah talked to him a few times over the course of one week, really knowing very little about him or his situation at the beginning. And as you'll hear, more and more unfolds and gets revealed. And it all feels so immediate in particular to these few weeks right now in the war in Gaza, that we wanted to bring it to you now. Like, it feels like it's about right now. We have other stories, I should say, about this war in the works, including from inside Israel, so please stay tuned for those. But for today, with Youssef, Hannah would talk to him at night, his time. His family was living in the NRC office in Rafa, so he was in the unusual situation in Gaza where he often did have internet access with solar panels providing power. The first day Hannah talked to him, he had just relocated with his wife and kids to Rafa, where the office was. It's along the border with Egypt. His four sisters and their families were about eight miles away in a town called Khan Yunus. So here are those conversations. So tell, talk to me about what did you do today? And today I had to find a place for my extended family, which, alhamdulillah, I found it today. I found a place and I built a tent, two tents actually, for because I couldn't find a house to rent or anything. So tomorrow I will move the rest of my family here to Rafah from Khanunis to these two tents. And today it takes me a while building these tents. Then I had to go to the market buying whatever I can find. What did you find? Today I found... Ah, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> so, some vegetables. Actually, it was tomato. Okay. And pepper. And I couldn't find potato because there is no potato in all over Gaza. And milk for the children. I'm responsible for my children, my sisters, my mother, because I'm the only son here in Gaza. I'm the only man for a bit big family. Mm-hmm. So, I have a quite big responsibility towards them. Uh, so... Have you had decisions that you had to make for everybody that you couldn't figure out what the right choice was? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that decision that I'm taking today. I decided to build a tent while I, they are in an apartment in Khan Yunus and everything is available for them. I'm taking them in this harsh weather in an empty land under a tent. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be right or wrong. I had to make this decision several times unfortunately now it's became our routine is like that now i have to move again so yeah and it's 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 not really it's not easy decision and i was trying to evaluate the situation on a daily basis is there anybody in the family that is hesitant do you have to yes we have i i had yes yes yeah, yeah, yeah. they are part of the family yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah even yeah and a few minutes ago a few minutes ago i was having this debate with my sister that she was like okay i, I do, i'm pregnant because she, she's pregnant 
and she don't wanna do the delivery in a tent and she said like okay they are still far like one kilometer away the tanks and she said that we cannot suffer more at least we are we have here bathroom yeah the main debate was a bathroom about having your privacy to use a bathroom mm-hmm. because you know when you are fleeing in a tent there is no bathrooms or that privacy while well, I'm trying I, tomorrow I'll find a way to build a bathroom for them this week that I'm talking to Yusuf it isn't the first time he's moved and convinced his sisters to move too. They started the war in Jabalia, in the northern part of Gaza. On October 7th, when Hamas attacked southern Israel and killed around 1,200 people, the majority civilians, in their homes, at work, enjoying a music festival, took about 240 people hostage. Yusuf immediately moved his family from Jabalia to his parents' house in a nearby city, Beit Lahia. They moved the very next day, October 8th. It seemed safer there. On October 9th, Israeli airstrikes hit Jabalia. And then again, on October 12th, 19th, 22nd, 31st, November 1st, 2nd, 4th, and on, Jabalia now has massive craters several yards deep. Yusuf, his family, and his sisters had all fled to various relatives and friends in the north until Israel told people in the north to move south. They had cousins in Khanunis, in the south of Gaza. So he and his family drove there and convinced his sisters to come too. He says on the way, the cars in front of them and behind them were bombed. In Khanunis, they stayed with relatives. Yusuf and his wife and his mom and his kids and his sisters and their families. Everyone stayed with cousins and relatives in different apartments across the city. Until Yusuf read a leaflet that fell from the sky. It said, you must evacuate immediately and go to shelters in the city of Rafa. The city of Khanunis is a dangerous combat zone. Forewarned is forearmed, was signed the Israeli Defense Forces. That's when he fled to Rafa with his wife and his kids. By that point, over 15,000 people in Gaza had been killed, the majority civilians. The place Yusuf works, the NRC, had rented an office in Rafa, in the area the Israelis were now saying was a safe zone. Yusuf moved his immediate family into the office, where he was when I called him, where he is now, in Rafa. But his sisters and their families aren't so sure they want to follow this time. So Yusuf, from the moment he got to Rafa, has been pushing his sisters in Khanunis to come. He's been at that for almost a week. To be honest, well, each one of them have its own personality and they have to persuade her the way I know. Uh-huh. Each one of them. One of them, she's, she's worried about her father-in-law and mother-in-law. And I was like, okay, they are, not, they, are, they are not safe and they are on the street. I'll build them a tent. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that you are with me here. I, I'll bring them also. The other one, I had to do the same option with her. Okay, I'll bring your father-in-law and their entire family. I'll take care of them, but I want you to come here. What about the woman who's I, pregnant? I keep doing... Yeah, the one who's pregnant, she's the youngest. And she's the most stubborn one. Yeah, she's the youngest. When we came to the south, there was no military operation on the ground. She refused, and her father-in-law and mother-in-law refused. I had a fight with them, and I told them, listen, I want my sister with me. And we had a bit of argo because they didn't expect what's coming. <laughs> I hadn't thought about how each time you have to sort of mentally convince yourself that the place that you're in, which is feeling okay at that moment, 
might not feel okay very soon. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, who would ever imagine that the Israeli tanks will be in the center of Jabalia camp? Or who would ever imagine that they would be in Shifa hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these things, we never imagined that it will be a real thing that we are seeing by our own eyes. We, we never thought about that. Yusuf was lobbying his sisters to move as hard as he could. But honestly, he himself wasn't always totally sure about bringing them to Rafa. The evacuation order, it wasn't for all of Khan Yunus. There was no available housing in Rafa, not that he could find. In Khan Yunus, they had mattresses, a bathroom. And his sisters had moved cities twice already, with kids, in-laws. So maybe they were fine. But then Yusuf says he heard the Israeli military was now in a part of Khan Yunus he'd been staying in with his family just a few days before. So maybe they weren't fine. Yusuf kept searching for new information. He'd ask everyone he met, look everywhere online, except a few places he avoided. I don't open the, my Facebook, for example, or Instagram because all my friends from Gaza are there because it's, I don't want to know who's dead. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to know. I don't have the time to respect these people who I lose. By coincidence, a few days ago, I found out that my uncle is dead. I, I didn't know about that before. And a friend of mine told me that, oh, hey, you know, and, uh, we were just having a chat and we, I mentioned him. I, and I didn't know that he's my uncle. And I was talking that oh, he's my uncle. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. I was like, what? Oh. I didn't, I didn't know. And it was like two weeks ago. He's dead. He's killed two weeks ago in Jabalia while I didn't know. How did that come up in that conversation? We were, when were we mentioning where his parents living in Jabali? And I was like, okay, my relatives living there. They are from the Jewry family. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, he's my uncle. He's like, yeah, uh, sorry for your loss. And I was like, no, 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 he's alive. And I was like, no, he was killed in an arse. Like, I know, I know. It was like, and I felt a bit stupid. And it's it was really weird feeling that I didn't know that my uncle is dead since two weeks. Mm. He was killed. Do you... The other thing, okay, just, just to continue on this story. Please. Yesterday, my brother who lives in Sweden, mm-hmm. my cousin, who is the son of the my uncle I mentioned, he was asking my brother to check if I have information about his father. Uh-huh. And I don't want to be that, also to deliver the news for him that his father was killed. Have you told him? No, I told him there is no connection between the south and the north, and it's impossible to reach anyone there. Which is which is true. There is there is no phone call. There is nothing that you don't you cannot reach anyone in the north. And I was like, I will try to to check what's the situation, but I I couldn't. I I didn't want it to be that the one who's getting the news. Oh, Yusuf. So I, you didn't. You just couldn't bring yourself to tell him what you had heard. Yes. Even my mother, who's with me now, doesn't know. Is it her brother? Yes. And you're not going to tell her? Definitely not. And I'm saying that here because I, I'm sure the 
uh, they won't they don't understand English first of all and mm-hmm. second thing they won't listen <laughs> sorry for <laughs> that but they're in Gaza they won't listen to this podcast to know from this podcast that yeah and uh, another another time that uh, my brother-in-law his sister was killed with her seven children also they called me because they her, her, his family reached out to me because they cannot reach him and asked me to tell him that his sister was killed with her entire family and and that was uh, painful it, it it wasn't easy it was i don't want to be in that position again ah I always don't, yani, it's one of the first time that I really speak about these things. It's, 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 it feels really weird for me that I always in front of everyone around me, I'm the man who's managing everything and supporting anyone in need. And if you need anything, the best one to call is Yusuf. You, mm-hmm. Now I, I, I'm, I'm helpless, useless, and I, I cannot do anything. I cannot even manage my own need. So if your uncle comes up, your mom mentions him or your wife says, oh, I wonder how he's doing, you're, you will not say anything. It happens, and I didn't say anything. Yes, it happened yesterday. And I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. My brain was like circling around, and I was like, okay, you have to tell her. She, she deserves to know that her brother is dead. And I was like, no. She, it's her right to know, and... She will blame me a lot when she knows that I was knowing without telling her. Mm-hmm. I have to shut down my brain. It's like, no, you turn off. It's not your role now. Not your what? It's not your role. You not don't your need role. to be functioning now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Focus on building tents. That, that's, that's, I, I have to, to be honest, we have, I have plenty of to-do list. On my list is many things. My priority now, it's the time to secure my family mm-hmm. and manage their needs more than anything else. For me, looking for their safety, it's not about them only. It's, it's more about me. I cannot imagine for a moment losing one of them, one of my sisters. It has to be me before them. So because you, I, I don't have the strength to even to think about losing one of them. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing it, not because of you, it's because of me. I am, don't have that. I'm weak to have the strength to handle losing any one of them. I don't have that strength. Do you think they do it for you? Then, uh, they came to Haninus with me before me. Mm-hmm. No one was, no one agreed. It was really hard, and I had a fight with my mother. And but they they came because I, I, I want them. I want them to be with me. So they do it for you. That time, yes, was for me. And this time? This time, I think I'll prepare everything. I will prepare the tents. I'll find you a place. Then I'll move you once when everything's ready to have you. And what pushed me to finish everything today is that Benjamin Netanyahu, he was threatening Hezbollah. He was like saying, Hezbollah, you should stop what you are doing because if it's not a war, we will turn Beirut into Gaza and Khan Yunus. 
So I was like, okay, now it's Khan Yunus. I, I need to evacuate them from there. They are, they are in the center of Khan Yunus. Did you send them that quote? Yep. <laughs> because a lot of people stay until the last moment, and when they evacuate, they evacuate under bombing. And I don't want my sisters to experience that. What does the tent look like? Uh, so there is two types of tents. Mm-hmm. Now I became expert, by the way. I was going to ask you how you know how to build tents <laughs> so quickly. So one, one I get it through an RC where I work, mm-hmm. and it was with instruction. That was easy. The other one is like wooden sticks with plastic. The hardest part was finding a place, a suitable place to rent a small land, not around the middle of the street, you know. It's an agricultural area. Uh-huh. It's a bit sandy everywhere. So you rent a land. You don't. Uh, you didn't just. Strikes. Wow. I'm sorry. What? No, it was a massive airstrike. <laughs> just now. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Another airstrike. They're going to. They're getting crazy somehow. All of this in Khanyunus. The explosions are in Khanyunus right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one. Okay. What's going on? I'll call you in a minute, okay? No just problem. Let, I just no need problem. To check, okay? Just no problem. one minute, I'll call you back. Take your time. Okay. Bye. Because it, it seems really massive there. Okay. Okay, bye. Hi. Hello? Hi. Yes, sorry. Is everybody just okay? Make sure that they're still alive. Yeah, they're alive. <laughs> Do you literally write, are you alive? Yeah, it was a funny message for my sister. Are you alive? <laughs> Wait, that's funny? Yeah, because I, I had to send a smile and um, emojis laughing. That's why how we, we are talking always. And even when I'm with them, it's like, okay, we have one more day to live. Let's enjoy it. Maybe mm-hmm. two days. Okay. So you you wrote her, are you alive? Smiley face? Yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah. And she writes back yes, or she laughs. Yeah, she laughs and she said it's a bit calm, <laughs> a bit calm. Okay, I don't know what it means a bit calm, but yeah. Um, I'll let you go. I've taken so much of your time. Thank you so much. And and tomorrow, what's going to happen is your sisters are going to move. Yeah, this is going to be the early thing for me to do in the morning because I don't want them to move under the bombing. So I want to evacuate them when it's a bit calm and manageable without risks. Mm-hmm. So I'll do it in the early morning. But maybe because of this rain, it's, ah, I need to assess the situation tomorrow morning. Okay. I, I promise them that we will make a decision together this time tomorrow morning. But you've already made the decision that you want them to go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, I hope you have a uh, an easy night, and I will check in with you tomorrow. That's a good phrase, easy night. <laughs> okay. Inshallah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, Yusuf. Hello. Did your sisters move today? Uh, unfortunately, not yet. Uh, they, they were refusing to leave without a bathroom, but... Today, there were a lack of t- tanks and airstrikes. No, I promised them that tomorrow it's going to be, uh, there will be a bathroom tomorrow. Uh, I'll make my best to make it happen. I want to jump in and say a little bit about what Yusuf doing his best looks like. 
an incomplete summary of that particular day. He spent the morning trying to track down trucks for the Norwegian Refugee Council where he works. The trucks were full of aid, things like bedding, tents, buckets for water, that should have arrived at the border, but he couldn't check online if they were there because the system was down and the phones weren't working, so he went in person, wandered around looking at plate numbers, could not find the trucks. Then he went to the market to find medicine for his wife, Manal, who's sick, could not find medicine. In the midst of all this, he got a call from another relative who was fleeing and needed a place to stay in Rafa. Yes, yes, you can come, Yusuf told him. One more tent. Near his sister's tents, Yusuf saw a guy building a bathroom. Hired that guy, but he's busy until tomorrow. The bathroom guy told Yusuf he needed to find supplies, so Yusuf spent hours searching for cement, stones, and a water tank. He found a water tank, but it was in a different part of Gaza, so Yusuf paid more than the price of the water tank to get it transported. I was picturing like a hole in the ground that you were going to build near, you were going to dig near the tents, but you're building an actual bathroom with water and yes, walls. Yes, actually that was a condition from my sisters. <laughs> so is that the first thing for you tomorrow? Definitely, yes. <laughs> it will be happening for sure tomorrow because... Yani, few two hours ago or less, there is an airstrike near them, and it takes me like half an hour or more just trying to call, trying to call. I couldn't reach anyone. And that's freaked me out, and my, I, I, I cannot handle the situation again. Mm-hmm. And I managed to reach my sister, Asil, and we are fine. There is a lot of gas and a lot of bombing, but we are fine. And that's what, and this is when we agreed, Khalas, tomorrow you are moving, and I will come to pick you tomorrow. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. So she she definitely agreed. Yeah, yeah. I then, sorry, I'm like, yeah, are we recording or something? Because my son is just annoying me. <laughs> That's okay. I like hearing him. How old is he? Two year and a half. Two and a half. Ilya, Baba, Sekelbab. I'm just asking him to close the door. Last night we had I had to stay awake until Ahmed who does cannot sleep without being kissed a thousand times <laughs> in his cheeks until he sleep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when he feels that I'm tired of kissing him, he gives me his hand to kiss it. <laughs> so that you have it close to you? Exactly. Yeah, he 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 like to give me some rest sometimes. Okay, can kiss my hand. <laughs> I don't know how we get this habit, but uh, I I don't mind it, and for me it's okay. <laughs> I'm really grateful for the uh, the rain. It starts raining, then that reduces the the sound of bombing, and also you can use it. Oh, this is a thunder strike, so we are lucky today. We can I can we can manipulate that. So Yanni. So you'll tell them in the night. If they hear a noise. Yeah, it's raining. It's raining. It's raining. You know, it's boiled. It's thunderstrike. It's raining. Yani, I don't know. At the beginning, I, it was a bit easy to convince them that this is fireworks or thunderstrike. But then even my daughter, Ilya, which is five years old, now can understand that this is... Like even my son Ahmed, who's two years and a half, and he can say like oh, bombing. This is from airplane, and he keep using this word gasof, gasof, which means strikes. 
And what the hell? That's another massive airstrike. Is it close to you? Uh, no. Uh, if it was close, you would hear it. Okay. Okay. I failed to convince them that this is not a war and to I failed that they know that this is a war in that age. And they see how we are shouting, my, uh, my sisters are crying, or it's not enough anymore for my children to, when they feel panic from bombing, to run towards us. They, they, they start scream without even running towards us because somehow they understood that we, are, we don't have that ability to protect them. And that, that, that's something really awful when you, you understand that your children understand that you cannot protect them. When I start to feel useless in front of my children and I, I, when I found that I cannot protect my children, I, I deeply regret it because... You regret what? What is the meaning as a father? I regret having children here. What is the meaning for me as a father if I cannot protect them? You regret having children? Having children in Gaza? Yes. Definitely I regret. I made them, I made that decision and I had children in Gaza while I know the consequences, but I wasn't imagining that we will go through this. Because I am a man of responsibility, I'm responsible for these children to secure their life and future. If I know that they will live through this I would never, ever even get married here. You would never get married, is that what you said? Yes, yes. Yeah. Is a part of that feeling like I should have known not to do this, or...? It's I should never did that decision. Hello? Hi, Yusuf. Do you is do you have a couple minutes? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. How did today go? Oof, it was really, really long day. It had to start really early, and it was a lot of things to do. Did they move? Yeah, they moved. So I brought them all. Yeah, yeah, they moved. Wow, you did it! it took Oof, you. It was really a lot. <laughs> Last night they were texting me about a lot of bombing. Next, the house next to them was bombed. Another house behind them was bombed, and so they they wanted to move. They wanted to go. Halas. Yusuf, the house next to them was bombed last night. Yes. Yeah, last night was a bit harsh when they start texting me that the bombing is around us. What? Yeah, but there was an airstrike that hit a property right next to them. Yes, but it's a drone strike. So okay. We have different types of missiles that the Israelis are using. So there is the F-16 with warplanes and this American-made weapon that destroy entire neighborhoods. The drones have smaller bombs that destroy a house or half of the house. They were afraid that it's, it's the, the bombing might be in the same house because it's four floors and they are the first one. So. That's why they are. They were. They didn't argue me, and they like, yes, let's let's move. <laughs> Did you think about going in the night? Yeah, I told them I'm coming. <laughs> you texted back, I'm coming. Yes, 
and they were freaking out that I will come. <laughs> and my wife uh, prevented me. My sisters were texting me, do not come. There is a lot of bombing in the street in front of the house. Do not come. Yusuf waited till the sun came up and then drove to Khan Yunus. He says on his way there, he could hear gunfire and explosions all around him. The first thing I did in the morning is like I went there, back up in the car, my sisters and their children, and I came and then I sent another car, uh, like a small van, mm-hmm. small bus to can have the bags and everything and my brothers-in-law. Was there a part of you that felt a little frustrated? Like, I told you guys you should have come earlier. I didn't want it to get to this. That's exactly what the first thing I said today when I met them. (laughs) That was how you greeted them? Yeah. (laughs) What did you say? And first thing is like, I told you we don't want to, because there was a lot of bombing, a lot of tanks. Like I told you before, we don't need to run away under shelling and bombing. But now we did it. Every time it had to be the same situation. So overnight you're worried about their survival and you're panicked and you want to drive to get them in the middle of the night. But in the morning, you greet them with, I told you so. This is what I said was going to happen. Yep. I was blaming them. (laughs) So there is no discussion. We are leaving. So you didn't like hug them and cry and say, I'm so glad you survived. You said, get in the car. No, no. We have a different type of... Relation. I don't, it's not about tagging them. I was laughing. You should have died. <laughs> I should be in the morgue now. <laughs> this is how I'm with my sisters. And did they laugh? What did they say back? And Hadir was like, ah, you know. Actually, they would start to give me orders quickly. You need to talk to our cousin, Imagine because he was hosting us. You need to invite him. You have to talk to him nicely and push to bring them with us because they take care of us for a long time. Now we have to repay them. Also go to our uncle Ayman because they wanted to, to have it invited by you, not us. It's, it's a bit weird. Like, okay, I'll do this. And you you, you bag the luggage and you do that. And they refused to leave before cleaning everything. They, they wouldn't leave without cleaning the house? Yep, cleaning the house, kitchen, bathrooms. Even everyone. though you're fleeing bombing. Yes, because they would, yeah, yeah, that was actually weird from them, but this is how they think, and I really respect it, because we we leave it better than the way we receive, we have. This is how we show respect, and we had to clean. <laughs> and then you left? Yep. Okay. Then we left. What did it? And they saw, it was the first time for them since the beginning of the war to see the sea. Oh. Uh, they were very, very excited and happy. How did they respond to the tents when you showed them where they're staying? Yeah, I, I was expecting that they would be like, ah, it's not nice. But that, they, they were happy. It's like, okay, it's nice, it's good. Did you feel nervous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want them to see that, to, to prove for them that I did my best. And I was checking on them. Inside the tents, what do you think? It's warm. There's two layers for the tent, one for the rain and one inside. And I was trying to convince them as, you know, these sale, sale people who is trying to convince you to buy something. Uh-huh. That was you? Exactly what I was. That was me today. <laughs> I know it's nice. It's good. We'll do the bathroom here. We'll get something there. Here we can turn the fire. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, well, manage. 
I'll get you internet tomorrow and I will get you lights here. Our neighbors have a solar panel. He will connect us some lights. Yeah, I was trying. I was doing that sale, salesman. Well, and they were happy. They were? Did they give you the response yeah. you wanted? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's nice. Like, also, I went in our way coming, we went through one of the camps that people, you know, people are just building tents in the streets. Mm-hmm. And they saw how miserable the situation is. So, and I meant I meant to go there before taking them to our our place. You did it because, on purpose. Exactly, because I want to. I want them to see how people are living. So, to to prove for them that I did my best managing the, what I could. When I met them today, I I found out that they didn't eat for two days. They only eat rice. So the first thing I was thinking about is like preparing a really big meal for them. And they were surprised I had barbecues and kebab. And I was like, no, no, no. So they had a meal? You had a meal together? I, a very big one. It was a very expensive one. But I was like, okay, I'll feed you until you've had more than enough. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so after like fasting for two days, it was it worth to provide them with something really good. Did they appreciate it? Oof, a lot. <laughs> they were very happy. I was very happy also having this meal. Hello, Hannah. Hi, Yusuf. How are you doing? All uh, good, all good. Just... This call, five yeah. days after I started speaking to Yusuf, was the first time I talked to him when he was not agonizing over his sisters and how to get them out of Khanunas. They were there, their first day in their new place, settling in. There still wasn't a bathroom, but Yusuf had asked a neighbor if his family could use their bathroom until his was up and running. He went to work that morning, made it a couple hours into the day when he got a call from his youngest sister, a seal. It's too complicated. Wait, tell me what happened with your sister. So Asil today wanted to go to the bathroom and she waited. So there is in the land next to us, they have a bathroom and they're friends of mine. And my neighbors is hosting more than 60 people. So they have to wait in line to in this bathroom. It's a single bathroom. Oh, wow. How pregnant is she? When does she do? Uh, so she is at the seventh month, about to finish it, and she cannot wait. She's pregnant, and it's a bit embarrassing for her. And so she started to cry, and then she called me. While she was in line? So she tried several times, and she, she, she were hopeless. Then she started to cry and decided to go back to Hanunis. <gasps> she decided that, and she called me, and she told me, I'm leaving to Hanunis now. <laughs> Oh, that's changed the day. I had to go back <laughs> to meet my sister, take her to the bathroom. It's been an hour or more. I went, I stopped the line. How did the 60 people waiting respond to that? Well, it went okay. There was someone inside and I told them no one is getting inside. No one goes to the bathroom. Khalas. Until my sister finished. Was she seriously thinking about going back to Khanunas? I don't think so. It's, it shows me that she, she needs me. Yeah, I need to find a solution now. Yeah, she's, she's above the limit. 
The whole week, Yusuf had been telling me that he needed his family close to him so he could think rationally about what was going on around him. Now, they're here, with all the joy and irritation that comes with having family close by. They're together in Rafa. They've moved from the very north of Gaza all the way down, the furthest south they can go. There is nowhere else. They're at the bottom edge of the Gaza Strip, on the border with Egypt. Yusuf can think a little bit about what's next. What, what makes it a bit harder on me that, that I've been outside Gaza. I know how it looks like outside. When I first time I've been out outside of Gaza was last year. And it was for your job to yes to Norway to with NRC and and when I arrived to Oslo, Norway, mm-hmm. in the airport uh, they, they they stamped my passport and she said welcome and it was weird for me. They, there is no interrogation. They are not going to question me anything. They are not going to look for me as a terrorist and they are. They're not going to check my bags or my body or my... They, they, they just allow me to enter. And it feels, we, it feels weird in a way that I want them to check me and interrogate me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not this is not the usual. Come on, guys. You have you to ask job. me some questions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come on. You have to ask me something. You have to ask me where I live or whatever, who's my neighbor or what I do or what's my re- relation with... The militants groups in Gaza, you have to ask me about anything, come on. And and I I saw how the world is massive. For me, Gaza was a bit big, you know, how Gaza is a very, very narrow piece of land. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was huge. But when I saw the world outside of Gaza, I was like, guys, we are living in a small neighborhood. What felt different? Everything is different. I cannot imagine how I was feeling when I saw the first time an airplane or an airport. I felt like I'm four years old. And I was saying always, I'm Gazan more than any Gazan here because I've never been outside. And when I went outside, I, I understood how it feels. I, I saw how people are living their life. And I totally understand why they don't really care about us. They are busy with their lives. There is the entire generation never been outside Gaza. And what my children, what they have been through is something unimaginable and they don't deserve that. What's the world expecting from this generation after 15 years when they live through all of this? What do you expect? More violence? How do you going to think rationally? Do you worry about that with your own children? I made that decision, and when this war finished, if we survive, I, I will take them outside. I'm not allowing my children to go through this situation again. You want to leave. Uh, it's. I know it's gonna be really, really difficult. Gaza's part of us, yani. And I know it, but uh, it's it's really hard to think about that now, to be honest, in the middle of the war. But I made a decision that, without thinking about it, 
they are not gonna stay here. So it's 10.30 now. So you wanna go to bed. Pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And at least it's gone now. I could, I could catch some That's before it. they start shooting or something. Yeah. Do You should do that. Okay. Okay. Bye. Have a nice night. Salaamu Bye. Yusef Hamaj in Gaza, talking to Khana Jaffe Wald. The story was produced by Nancy Updike, edited by me and Nancy and Emmanuel Berry, mixed by Catherine Raimondo, fact-checked by Jane Ackerman. Special thanks today to Shane Lowe, Nabil Shalkat, Hani Hawasli, Anas Baba, Brian Kastner, George Sadat, and Mark Glasgow. Our show comes to you from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, the public radio exchange. We'll be back this weekend, just a couple days from now, with a new episode for you. 